Billy Grid. Grid 181, Saturday the 30th of September. We have been off and on and sparse while we were on vacation for the last 10 days. So we're looking to get back into the groove. So this normal show runs daily, 9 p.m. Pacific. And of course, this is the bonus show for Generations, talking about my sports generations and a new show dropped earlier today on injuries. So Steve and I talk about, you know, how injuries are managed, not only from the player's perspective, but the team's perspective, how it's changed during our lifetimes. We talk about the money component and then we talk about the fans, you know, expectations on injuries as well. So let's check that out. And also, thank you very much. We saw another spike this past week in listeners. So thank you very much. So please like and share and follow. So we appreciate it a lot. But we should be getting back to a more normal schedule. So the big show dropped a little late. Normally, that's going to run at noon Pacific time every Saturday. So it was a little late this afternoon. And then the Daily Show again at 9 p.m. Pacific Daily. Each of these shows is evergreen. So we are talking about, you know, things over the last several decades. We talk about players and things that have happened in our past. So even if you don't catch it on the day that it drops, feel free to still listen to it. I think it's still relevant and the episodes are really good. So I've been hunting scarcity lately, and I've been doing Immaculate Grid. We've been recording on it since uh, about Grid, I don't know, in the hundreds or so. Today is Grid 181. Also, as of a little over a week ago, you can go back to all of the previous grids. So I've actually started to go back and do each of those. So I'm putting together a big spreadsheet. I'm going to do an Probably something on that here in the next couple of weeks, kind of just the data that I've collected over the 180 some odd grids to date. Players I've used the most, scores, those different types of things. But we use the grid kind of just as a jump off point, bring up players that we haven't talked for a really long time, some interesting stats, those kinds of things. So look for those in the descriptions and then for some of the older shows you're gonna have to press more to kind of see some of those topics that we talk about but today's grid we'll go through the grid but today actually got me thinking about relievers again because we've talked a lot about relievers over the last several weeks and one of my picks just kind of made me think of some things and so we're going to highlight some just weird Weird numbers and weird players that have happened rel relative to relievers. But let's look at the grid today. So Saturdays has been, you know, massive career achievements. But today we kind of have the three rows of achievements. So we've been having, you know, four or five achievements on Saturdays. Today we only have three, but still pretty fun. So in the columns from left to right, we have the Atlanta Braves. In the middle, we have the Clevelands. And on the far right, we have 
the Kansas City Royals. For the career achievements on the top to bottom, we have Hall of Fame at the top, All-Star in the middle, and 20-plus season on the bottom, Phil, Phil Negro. I'm just looking at his face there. Phil Negro. That guy is looking at his career. He's a lot better than I used to think that he was. But let's go ahead and go through this. We're going to go, you know, left to right, top to bottom. So Braves and Hall of Fame. Again, I'm I'm just, I'm hunting scarcity. I want Ted Simmons here. Ted Simmons in the last couple of seasons with the Braves, but of course, you know, really cut his teeth as, you know, basically his Hall of Fame career is, is predominantly as a Cardinal. And then, of course, he went to the World Series in 82 and lost to those same Cardinals in 82 as a Brewer. But he comes in at 0.3%. Then for Hall of Fame in Cleveland's, I went Dave Winfield here, 2%. Dave Winfield is like the secret sauce for any career type of thing for Cleveland's because he only played like one, one season there. It was at the end of his career. And he played at that point in time, you know, had bounced around quite a bit, Minnesota, Toronto. So his final season is a Cleveland. So you can catch a lot of answers for that for 3,000 hits. You can do it for Hall of Fame, Gold Glove. Well, you can't do it for Gold Glove. You never want a Gold Glove as a Cleveland. But a lot of those other career achievements you can get there. Then we move over run far top right, Kansas City and Hall of Fame. I went Gaylord Perry here, 4%. Now, there's really only one true royal that is a hall of famer of course that is george brett the other three possible answers you know they're not really royals gaylord perry's one of them uh, i think he came over there he left the i think before he went to the padres he was a royal if i have that right no it's actually i think it's after he left the padres so he was a giant fleet went to went to cleveland Immediately won a Cy Young Award, and then in the late 70s, he was a Royal. So maybe it was after he left Cleveland, he went to the Royals and then to the Padres. And then he would win another Cy Young as a Padre. But you could have gone Harmon Killebrew here. And then Orlando Cepeda had that rando season with the Royals. But the only real, real Royal, of course, is Brett as a Hall of Famer. Going down to the middle row, left-hand side, Braves and All-Star. You know, I went Gerald Perry here, 0.08% on hunting scarcity. He had that Randall year, 87. He batted 300, first baseman. Had a little speed, stole some bags. Solid, solid guy. Nothing spectacular. At that point, you know, first base in the National League was kind of loaded. You know, of course, Will Clark being my favorite but you still had keith hernandez was still in the league mark grace was coming up along with clark so first pace was was pretty stacked in the nl in those mid to late 80s move over one all-star and cleveland's i went greg swindell 0.1 percent swindell was kind of part of that group of guys with the cleveland's in the late 80s where they started to turn things around still weren't that great but with Joe Carter, Corey Snyder, Brooke Jacoby, started to turn things around. Then into those early to mid-90s, you know, they would go make a couple of World Series appearances. 
lose to the Braves and lose to the Marlins. And then this is where it got me on what we're going to talk about a little bit more later. I went Dan Quisenberry for KC and All-Star. Quisenberry 3% here. Quisenberry, you know, we talked about this in previous episodes. You know, he, he Bruce Suter, Reardon, Dave Rigetti, the first set of guys that were really saving 40-plus games. And that got me to thinking again about relievers. So we're going to go through that here in just a bit, just kind of some of those thoughts. So bottom row, 20-plus wins, Atlanta Braves. I went Phil Necro here, 6%, last guy to win 20, lose 20. He won a th- almost a third of his total team games. I think he should have won a couple of Cy Youngs. The year that he lost 20, I think he should have won Cy Young. Yeah, he was on the worst team in baseball. But, I mean, that team, where would that team be if it wasn't for him? And looking at his career, I mean, the innings that he pitched, he struck out over 3,000 guys. He won over 300 games. Yeah, he lost a lot, but he was on some really, really bad teams. That was pretty amazing. 20 wins in the Clevelands. I went Herb score here, 1%. Again, I'm just scarcity hunting. Herb score, I know him from Earl Weaver Baseball. We used to play Earl Weaver Baseball on the Commodore Amiga. So he was one of the all-time players that you could play he was a left-hander threw hard so he was a uh, they pull one of his it, I, I think it is it's it's the season the 20 win season that they utilize and then for 20 plus win season i went mark gubixa here six percent so the number one answer of course was saberhagen but you only have a few answers here you could go dennis leonard you know he did it three times gubixa did it in 88 Steve Busby did it in 74, and then Pat Splitorf, he did it in 73. Now, mind you, you know, Royals started in 69. Royals got good very quick. You know, they were in the mix, you know, finishing first and second in those mid mid to late 70s, going into the 80s. Lost in the ALCS, you know, a few times to the Yankee. Lost the 80 World Series to the Phils, so I'd only been in the league 11 years. Eventually win a World Series in 85. So for as good as they fast that they got, then after that 85 season, they've just had a dearth of years until they lost to the Giants in 14 and then would beat the Mets in 15. So total score today, 22. Again, I've been hunting scarcity, trying to get that down. My all-time low is three, but that was with a lot of career achievements. I think it's kind of hard to do three when, you know, depending on the achievements and when there's only a handful of answers. So there's only a handful of answers for KC Hall of Fame, KC 20-game winner. So when you're doing that, you know, you're bound to hit a few percent just from that. But relievers, so looking this up today, starting off the most Ks by a reliever in a season for American and National League, you have Brad Lidge in the National League and you have Dick Raditz in the American League. So in 2004, Lidge struck out 157 batters in 94.2 innings pitched. Didn't start a game. 80 games, 44 games completed. Our games finished. 
He had 29 saves. He had four blown saves that year. He was averaging 4.9 Ks per nine. He averaged 5.23 Ks per walk. And he had a .919 whip. So he was giving up less than a walk and hit per inning. Which was significantly better than his career. His career was 1.291. So if you actually take that 919 season out, you know, he's closer to 1.3. He goes 6 and 5 that year. He has a 190 ERA, 157 keys as a reliever. I'm not even sure Mike Kruko as a starter ever had 157 keys in a season. You go to those 80s, a lot of those guys, you know, if they struck out 100 guys, that was pretty incredible. 157 as a reliever, 94 innings. And then Dick Raditz, he holds the major league record along with the AL record, but 181 Ks. But he pitched 157 innings as a reliever. That's top 10 all time. Innings pitched as a reliever. It's probably closer to five or six. I don't know the exact number, but it's right up there. 10.4 Ks per nine. Struck out 3.12 batters per walk. But Raditz, you know, this year he had a 1.025 whip, but his career was 1.194. So if you're, you know, when you're below 1.2, that's pretty elite. You know, you start getting into, you know, 1.2, in my opinion, is kind of average. So anything above that, eh, you know, it's like, oh, okay, you're okay. When you're below one, two, you're you're starting getting to elite range. And, you know, when you have something closer to that one, one, whatever, that's pretty elite. So he goes 16 and nine that year. He has a 229 ERA. He has 29 saves. He does have 10 blown saves. But when you're pitching that many innings, 157 innings, he pitched in 79 games. He finished 67. And how the game was being played, right? They're not doing, okay, you're going to come in for the save as a three-out save. And, oh, by the way, save situations, you're up by three. I mean, you know, that, that, doesn't, that wasn't happening. They were just putting their best pitcher in to close the game out to win. So the fact that you might have some blown saves in there, I don't think that's, uh, you know, the blown save in 1964 is not the same as the blown save in 2023, let alone the same blown save in 1986. They're just not equivalent, in my opinion. But Lidge and Raditz, they have the top two strikeouts seasons for relievers, which is just incredible. And then here's where the numbers get crazy. Most innings pitched. We're going to go for the AL first by a reliever. The NL one, the numbers are, are just nuts. Bob Stanley in 1982. He pitched 168.1 innings. All as a reliever. He finished 12 and 7. He had a 310 ERA. He had 14 saves. He had two blown saves. He struck out only 83 guys, though. He had a 1.66K for, for walk, right? You want to be two plus. Two plus, you know, anything under two is kind of below average. Two is about average. Anything above there is elite. 166, a little low. But again, this is the 80s. You know, we, we weren't blowing guys away in the 80s. He was bloated whip. 
so that season was one of his best. He had 1.253, which is, you know, average-ish. But his career whip is 1.364. So, you know, and then the whole thing is he walked a lot of guys. For his career, he had 637 games, started 85, finished 377. He had 21 complete games, seven shutouts, and 132 saves. Bob Stanley, ladies and gentlemen. Just weird career. You know, he's that epitome, the next guy is too, of what relievers were. They were the guys that, okay, he's kind of like your sixth starter, your seventh starter. Not good enough to be in your starting lineup. And we should we should correct that. He's more like your fifth starter because back then they were only four man rotations. So he's kind of like your fifth or sixth guy, not your sixth or seventh. So I should retract that. Because if you're elite, you're elite, right? You're a starting pitcher. But these guys are like, okay, they're just good enough. So then here's the nuts. Nuts seasons, Mike Marshall. The Dodgers, 1973 and 1974. So 73, he's actually an expo. Les expositions. And then he gets traded and goes for Willie Davis, and he goes to the Dodgers, 74. Dodgers finish first, win the West, win National League pennant, lose to the A's. Here is 73 and 74 numbers. So 73, 179 innings pitched. So he has the number one and the number two innings pitched by a reliever without starting. Obviously not starting a game. 179 innings pitched. He was in 92 games. So more than every other game, he appears. He finishes 73. Of those 92 appearances, he finishes 73 games. So he's almost finishing half the games of the Dodgers. He has 31 saves. He has 12 blown saves. Again, the blown save, kind of take that with a little bit with a grain of salt. It's not the same, right? He's pitching more than one inning. He goes 14-11, but, man, he's got bloated whip, 1.33. And that's very indicative. You know, number five starter. That's what you are. You're a number five starter. But he finishes Cy Young 2 that year. Then here's 74. Pitches 208.1 innings. Logan Webb is leading, and I, I don't think he's going to have another start. Maybe he gets one more today or tomorrow. Not 100% sure. But 216 innings pitched. He's going to lead the National League. Logan Webb for the Giants. Marshall's pitched 208.1 innings as a reliever. Didn't start a game. Record. Pitches in 106 games. So that means for every three-game series, you're going to see this guy twice. He finishes 83 games. So half the games that they play, he's going to he's going to be the last pitcher in the game. He has 21 saves. He has 12 blown saves. Again, blow save. Eh, throw that out the window, kind of. Finishes 15 and 12. He has his fourth lowest whip, though, of his career, 1.186. So pretty decent. Better, better than average. Solid. He finishes Cy Young 1. So in 74, he finishes Cy Young 2. 74, he finishes Cy Young 1. 
we have a whole episode on that. You know, we talk about him. We talk about Sparky Lyle. We go through the 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 years. Raleigh Fingers into Quisenberry and the other guys. So go we we'll go we all go through all those. So so check those episodes out. So he's the first reliever to win Cy Young. Andy Messersmith, Messersmith, his teammate, finished, wins 20 games that year. Dodgers finish first. You could argue that he could have or should have won Cy Young that year. But Marshall wins. But, I mean, 208 innings as a reliever. First career, though, Marshall finishes 97 and 112. He has 188 saves. He has 77 blown saves. He appears in 724 games. He starts 24 in his career. He finishes 549 games. He has three complete games in his career. He actually has a shutout. But as a reliever, this is where the numbers are like, ah. He has a career whip of 1.294, so almost 1.3. He walks 3.3 batters per nine. And he only has a 1.71K per uh, per base on ball. For his career, he strikes out 880 and he walks 514 and 1,386 innings pitched. So, you know, he's he's striking out, you know, 60% per inning, but he's walking almost as many people during his career. But most innings pitched by a guy who did not start a game. Most games appeared in a season. He appears in 13 straight games in 74 and is the first relief pitcher to win Sion. Just how we use relievers is just fascinating to me and how it's changed and how, you know, the Giants – this last month, the Giants have gone like six and eighteen or some crazy number. They went from being leading the the National League wild card to being third going into the month of September to basically falling apart. Gabe Kapler got let go the other day. Well, shoot, it seems like they're only got a real starter starting a game, you know, which is Logan Webb, and then you got some former reliever committee happening. Since Desclafani got hurt, uh, you had Kyle Harrison start a handful of games, but yeah, it has been a mess. So how we're how we're pitching games and how we're using relievers, it's it's quite a bit different. And then when then in that previous episode we talked about the fascination with relievers and relievers winning Cy, you know, Willie Hernandez winning Raleigh Fingers winning Cy Young and. MVP, it's happened three times. Dennis Eckersley did it. And, you know, it could have happened again when you had Gagne. Gagne won Cy Young. It wasn't for Bonds. So, back to a regular schedule. This is extra time. It is Immaculate Grid. It is Grid 181. It's Saturday the 30th. These drop 9 p.m. Pacific, back to a regular schedule moving forward. We're going to try to catch up with the missed episodes. Have a great rest of your Saturday. Check out the main show. Appreciate the listens. 
share with your friends. Make sure they follow us. Appreciate it. Cheers.